Welcome once again to GradeAMovies.com. It's the Grade A Movies podcast. My name is Larry Land, and I have my own film reviews I do at LarryInFishers.com under my Arts and Fishers podcast. I do my reviews on podcast forums there. But we're here because we have two writers on GradeAMovies.com to talk about film. All three of us will talk about film. We have lots to talk about. It's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chance to get together. And once again, uh, uh, we would like to welcome Alec Toombs, uh, one of the writers for GradeAMovies.com. Good to see you again, Alec. Good to see you, Larry. Good to see you, Adam. And, and Adam is here also, as Alec just said. Adam Austin's also with us, another uh, of the writers for GradeAMovies.com. Great to see you again. Good to see you, Alec and Larry. Hope you're having a good Friday. Yeah, and by the way, each of these gentlemen also, uh, you'll see their work at thefilmyapp.com as well. But uh, GradeAMovies.com, that is, uh, just put them all together, GradeAMovies.com, that's the website. But certainly recommend if you enjoy movies and want to hear their reviews, you'll see film reviews and other features as well about the film industry. Well, let's get started and talk about film. We had the Golden Globe Awards, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But one of the big winners at the Golden Globe celebration was Nomadland, a film I talked about at length at our last podcast and and and, uh, video uh, production. But uh, you two have since seen Nomadland, so I'm really anxious to hear your view of that. And I'm going to start with Adam. So I know I made my best of the year list before really any of us were able to see Nomadland. Uh, People that get screeners, obviously, were able to include that in the list. We get some select screeners here and there, but we don't get everything. Um, If I were to go back, Nomadland would, it might be number one if I were to include it in the year of 2020. Um, It is very good. Um, You know, I thought the writer, Chloe Zhao's previous feature was a good movie. Uh, I didn't think it was top 10 of the year for me. I know others were higher on it. Uh, They used, uh, she used non-professional actors to play the roles, people who actually were in these industries, and it added a layer of realism, but it also held back the movie in a little bit way. This film, with Nomadland, she again based it on true story. It's based on a book, a nonfiction book. And she talks to the people who are in the film. They're playing themselves. Uh, but she also uses professional actors in uh, David Stratham and the star, Frances McDormand, who gives another performance worthy of an Oscar. I may be rooting for someone else, but it's not because Frances McDormand doesn't deserve an Oscar probably because she's already got two on her shelf or wherever she keeps it. And uh, I'd like to see someone else get a chance, but she certainly is worthy. The acting that she does with her facial expressions without saying a word is extraordinary. You can know everything that's going on in her mind. She feels like a real person and she's acting alongside real people. And you can't even tell, you know, who's the professional actor and who isn't in these scenes because of the way it's done. That's also a credit to the direction that Chloe Zhao does. Um, Fantastic, where the cinematography is beautiful, the music is beautiful, the pacing is great. Um, Yes, the movie, the story is a little loose, but that's kind of the natural way. Um, The climax may feel a little forced. It's more of an emotional climax than an actual story. Um, But I was very satisfied at the end. This is... A weaker year for movies, 
But in a year of weaker, even in a stronger year for movies, I still think that Nomadland would be one of the favorites to win Best Picture. This year, I would have to say it's the front runner. Um, although I did like Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, I did like Soul, and I did like Promising Young Woman. Um, Nomadland, I think, is the most complete movie that I saw this award season. So I think, uh, based on what I'm hearing, you say you're pretty close to the review I gave last time. Yeah, I mean, it's also a film that I'd recommend to a lot of people, which doesn't always happen. Sometimes it's a great movie, but it's really slow, or it's got a political angle, or it's violent or something, where I, I can't recommend it to most people. I think this film is pretty broad. Yes, it is a little slower paced, but not so slow. I think most people would really enjoy this movie and uh, a lot of people will love it like we did. Yeah, I, I don't think it has a political message. I do think it has a social message, which is, I, it sort of goes back, I, I try to compare it in a small way to the Florida Project of a few years ago, which you and I talked about in our, in our podcast a while back, that it talked about child poverty in a way few people did. This talks about these new nomads in a way. Okay, Alec, time for you to, to chime in here. We'd like to hear your views on Nomadland. I too was a fan of the film. I don't think I'm as high on it as you and Adam are. Uh, most of the movie, I was sitting at a five out of five star rating. Toward the end, I felt like it dragged a little bit and maybe ended more than once where I, I could have gone for just one ending as opposed to multiple endings. Um, when you say multiple endings, uh, I, I think, uh, and this goes back to what Adam said, I'm, I'm not, it's not a perfect movie as far as telling a story. It seemed to be trying to just combine a number of stories in that nonfiction book into this, this character of Fern and the people she runs across, you know, as she, as she goes around uh, the, the Western United States in her van. So what I'm hearing you say is that uh, you felt it was a compelling film, but you didn't like the story, particularly the way it ended. Kind of talk more about your feelings on that. I, I just wish it had ended sooner. It felt like it just kept going there at the end. Uh, I just needed it a little tighter, I, I suppose. I did think McDormand was brilliant in the movie. I thought David Strathairn was great in the movie. Uh, I really enjoyed that Strathairn's real son, Tay Strathairn, who's in a band or used to be in a band I really enjoy called Dawes, was in the movie playing his son, his character's son as well. Um, it's a beautiful movie. The music's great. The cinematography is great. It seems very interesting. I guess a lot of the real people McDormand acted opposite of didn't even realize who she was. She thought or they thought she was one of them. And that's a credit to her to, to be available and present with these folks. It doesn't, I don't think she comes to a project with a lot of vanity or uh, ego. I think she's just trying to find a universal truth in the, the character she's playing, and that certainly was conveyed in the movie. Yeah, and not every director would let that happen. Chloe Zhao is just a very creative director, as Adam mentioned. But I think you, you touched on something, uh, Alec, and I thought about this too when I saw the film. Is it too long? You know, that's something Christopher Lloyd that the film app has been saying for a while, he thinks many films are way longer than they should have been. Is that what you're saying about Nomadland, Alec? I, I think it could have been tightened up a little bit there toward the end of the film. Maybe it didn't end the way I wanted it to, but I think it ended in a way that is probably more true to life, which is also a credit to the movie. So in the last podcast and, and video production we had, 
I had given it an A plus to the point where I thought it was uh, an important film, probably that comes around only two or three years in my view. So Adam, your view, how would you score this film? Yeah, this is an A film. Um, there are things that aren't perfect about it, but I think the things that it does do well make up for any shortcomings that happen in the film. Um, it left an impression on me. Uh, and it's a film that I wanted to see again because I wondered if I'd experience it the same way uh, a second time. One note, you were talking about the realism there. Frances McDormand lived in a van when they were filming this movie. They, she wasn't in a trailer. She lived like the people that she was portraying. And so I think that's why there's that added layer of realism. And as Alec noted, even the people that she was acting alongside um, I think uh, gained her respect uh, because she was throwing herself 100% into the role. Yeah, and Adam, that's interesting you mentioned that because when we did the Hamilton County Goes to the Movies uh, series, we had a lot of guests on who had spent time on, on, the, on the set of some major films. And we'd always heard the story that the big stars always had an entourage around them, like they had a corporation, and it was hard for the actors to get around and really talk to the other actors. And here we have Frances McDormand, who I would think would be at that level of, of acting excellence and, and uh, celebrity. And yet she ended up, you know, becoming one of the nomads, something you just uh, don't see. Okay, Alec, uh, how would you grade and score this, this film Nomadland? I gave the movie four and a half out of five stars, which to me would translate to an A minus grade. I, I do thoroughly recommend it. It just missed my top 10. Of 2020 it was my 11th favorite movie of the year um still very high recommendation for it and i enjoyed the movie i think adam and i were very fortunate to see it in imax it, it doesn't demand that treatment but i think seeing the uh, scenic vistas and everything in that format maybe accentuated the picture and there wasn't any dogs or uh two-year-old children running around when you were trying to watch the movie which really enhances the experience he and I were both pretty uh, enthused about like the idea of living in a van after seeing it. And this last year of COVID where we're all cooped up, uh, the movie seemed to make it seem somewhat alluring being a nomad other than Adam and I both agreed. Neither one of us wanted to crap in a bucket. So. Yeah. The rest, <laughs> the rest of the facilities were not the best, uh, but no, I, it, it has this romantic idea until you look at the practical part of it. Well, I mean, that's the so. thing in the movie. There's definitely the economic factor where, she is homeless in a way where she is, is not making enough money traveling from job to job, but she's presented options where people say, you can stay with me, you know, her, her, was it her sister or brother or something like that. And then um, David Stratham says, you can stay here with me. But um, it wasn't just the economic factor. I think that led her to this lifestyle. I think part of it was that she needed closure from her previous lifestyle, having lost her husband, um, the mining town that she worked in being erased from the map. They didn't even have the zip code exist anymore after the mine shut down. And that's based in fact, that's something that happened. And so you do have people that get attracted to this lifestyle where they can travel around. And although they don't have a lot of money, they still have freedom in their life, which uh, can be very appealing. My dad uh, he watches a lot of those shows about tiny houses or people who live in their van. And he's, he's a lot of YouTube videos on this. 
So when I told him about this, he goes, oh, yeah, I see some of these people, the way they set it up. It's pretty amazing. They've, they've got this shelf here and the way this designed. And so he thinks it would be cool. But I don't think on those YouTube videos, they really focus on the uh, defecating in a bucket. Early on in the film, and I mentioned this in the review that I did uh, on my uh, on my website, I I, uh, I thought it was striking early in the film when she's got one of her temporary jobs work. You know, maybe she wasn't in a job, but she was in a store. I remember this, and a it ran across some old friends of hers, and the child kind of hung back and said, "My mom says you're homeless." And, and Francis McDormand's fur looks straight into the eyes of that child and says, I'm not homeless. I just have a home that goes different places. It's exactly how she looked at the world. And it goes back to what Adam said. This character had plenty of chances to settle down again with her sister, although she and her sister obviously had a history, maybe couldn't get along. Her sister sincerely wanted her to stay, and she didn't. Then she had a boyfriend, David Stratham, the Dave character, he wanted you know, her, his whole family liked for wanted her to stay. And the allure of the road was more than she could uh, resist. So we all agree an excellent film. Uh, uh, I, w let me ask you, Adam, just last question on Nomadland. Uh, best picture uh, material for the Oscars after having won the Golden Globe. I think it's going to has the best chance to win. I think it's a deserving win. Uh, same with, you know, Parasite the year before. Was Parasite my my favorite movie, or I think the greatest film that came out last year, probably not, but it was a deserving Best Picture winner. As we've talked about with the Oscars, Best Picture winner not only is one of the best movies, but also a film that kind of exemplifies our times. And I think Nomadland does that. Yeah, and I think Parasite was creative, as well as trying to exemplify our times. From a South Korean point of view, and something Americans could identify with, and Nomadland is a new part of America that most Americans don't uh, really see. So, Alec, uh, best picture material after the Golden Globes. It wouldn't be my choice, but I won't be upset if it wins. I just feel like a total bum watching movies by Chloe Zhao because she's younger than I am and she's so accomplished and so talented. So, uh, Yeah, I mean, when you killing. see it, it's the first time I've really had a chance to see her when she was at the Golden Globes with those acceptance speeches. And she was so humble. And all she talked about were the other filmmakers. Now, she so much enjoyed all of their films so much. It was an honor to be with them. You don't always see that. And she seemed to be sincere. Uh, she's got a lot of terrific movies ahead of her. It's good to see a young director of her talent. Uh, makes you realize you, there's a lot yet to come. Okay, Alec has not seen the movie we're about to talk about. Adam and I have both seen United States versus Billie Holiday. Uh, I've had my uh, review up on, on LarryandFishers.com for, for a while of the podcast there. Uh, I gave it a very high mark. Uh, I went back to Lady Sings the Blues, a 1972 film where Diana Ross played Billie Holiday. That was a very good film that earned an Oscar nomination, I think five different nominations, including Best Actress for Diana Ross. I don't think they won, but the nominations themselves tell you just uh, what a good film that was. And that was really my first clue into the history of Billie Holiday, an immensely talented woman who had all sorts of personal demons, as, as many people do uh, in, in music, sadly. But... Uh, but U.S. versus Billie Holiday uh, found it to be an excellent film. You learn a lot in this film. You learn a lot about the racism and law enforcement of the 1930s and 40s in the United States, particularly at the federal level. Um, you, you learn a lot um, 
about the attitude toward race and how that impacted the fact that Billie Holiday was uh, was the center of attention for the FBI and its narcotics division, where other uh, others weren't because she was enduring enough. On your podcast, I think you gave it like a C plus grade, though, right? Well, and I'm about to talk about that. It, it's sad because I think the director, uh, Daniels, let us down here because the, he didn't construct the story very well, in my view. And I'm sad to say that. There are a lot of strong points in this film, which is why I give it a C plus. I said, we can go see it, understand that it's it's got its faults. But uh, I, uh, Andre Day playing Billie Holiday, she's not an accomplished actress. She's mostly known as a singer. I saw her interviewed on, on, and extensively on network TV, and she was petrified at doing this part. But this is one thing the director got right. He wanted to make sure he had an actress who knew how to sing. So the film got a C plus from me because the, and sadly, I don't think the story was constructed in a way that the audience would enjoy. Because you got characters going in and out. It's really hard to keep track of this many parts of the story, but Andra Day deserved the credit she got at uh, the Golden Globe. She was clearly shocked that she won. <laughs> and, and, and I actually thought it was, it was a fairly deserving win. Um, but I, I, I say the film is good. It's not as good as it could have been. I love the story, but the story wasn't told well. So that was my view of the United States versus Billy Holiday. I'm anxious to hear Adams. So I listened to your, your opinions and we don't always agree on everything, Larry. Uh, but I think we're spot on on this one. This is an amazing performance trapped in a, a mediocre to okay movie. The best parts of the movie come from Andre Day's performance. It can't be undersold. She is fantastic. It's possible that she's better than Diana Ross in this performance because while Diana Ross was great in the role, you still saw Diana Ross on screen. Andre Day being a relative newcomer that she does have an R&B career, but not a lot of people are familiar with her. This is her first lead acting role. Uh, I don't know if she's done other acting on screen, but director Lee Daniels. And I'm not a big Lee Daniels fan. Precious, to me, was a little overrated. It was nominated for Best Picture, and he got a Best Director. I wasn't a big fan. The Butler could have been good, but again, he waded into so much melodrama with this swelling score all the time and trying to hit you with a message that what could have been a great movie became okay. And here he is again, directing the people versus Billy holiday. One thing you can't say about uh, Lee Daniels is he has, he does have an eye for spotting talent. He casts his movies fantastically and he's had Oscar wins come from Monique, the act, the comedian won an Oscar being in a Lee Daniels movie and here's Andra Day. Nobody really knew who she was. Perfect casting. And really, all of this acting in this movie is fantastic. You have to say that. The scenes where Andra Day are singing, it's mesmerizing. She does a great job imitating the voice, uh, singing voice of Billie Holiday. And then the scenes where she's not singing and she's acting, she does a great job there. The problem with this movie is the problem with most Lee Daniels movies it gets melodramatic. It gets cliche. And I think the director overly relies on the singing scenes because she is so good at singing. We have scene after scene of her singing songs where, I don't know, I was almost felt like I was watching a, a musical on Broadway than, than an actual movie. The story, you're right. It, it's sometimes hard to follow. It jumps from areas. It tries to accomplish too much. 
is this a movie about uh, politics and the government trying to silence the civil rights leader? Is it a story about drug addiction or is it a love story? Because there is a love, a romance in this movie too. This film doesn't really know what it wants to be, but despite all of its shortcomings, the wonderful performance of Andre Day, I think is enough to put it up into C plus B minus range where it's worth a watch. The movie itself should not be nominated for best picture, but she has a really good chance of beating some great actresses, including Viola Davis and Frances McDormand for an Oscar. That is saying something. Yeah, something I did, Adam, after I saw the film, I went back on YouTube and tried to find an example of the real Billie Holiday uh, singing Strange Fruit. Now, to explain that, uh, Strange Fruit is, is uh, an old song that was uh, about lynchings, which were uh, sadly common in the United States of black men, particularly in the 1930s and 40s. And it was really about the horrific side of that, the, how barbaric it was. And that's why the FBI was so upset about Billie Holiday, because it, she was causing trouble by singing the song. So I went back to YouTube and I found a 1959 TV show where Billie Holiday sang Strange Fruit. And I just closed my eyes and could have been Andre Day. That's how good Andre Day was in this role. So you and I are very much uh, in agreement on this. And I do think she'll be in the, the Oscar mix. And I'm, I'm anxious to see how she'll do with the Oscar crowd. One thing I oh, want to note is oh, please. there are plenty of examples of great acting performances in okay movies. Last year, Renee Zellweger won the Oscar for um, playing Judy Garland in the film Judy. If you watch that movie, the movie was okay. It didn't get, a be it didn't get any other Oscar nominations, but it was nominated for Best Actress and won. If you ever saw Meryl Streep in The Iron Lady, kind not really, not even really a good movie, kind of a bad movie, but Meryl Streep's really good and she won another Oscar there. Um, so we see that again and again. I'd even throw in um, the example of uh, Taron Edgerton in Rocket Man. Wonderful performance, okay movie. And uh, even Bohemian Rhapsody, nominated for Best Picture, it was a good movie, but I think part of the reason it was so great was the performance of Rami Malek, which really elevated that film. So a lot of times in these biopics when they're playing historical characters, an amazing performance can lift a mediocre movie up. Sometimes the movie doesn't get lifted that much, but it's the acting that really, I think, excels those. So I think that uh, Adam and I are pretty close to each other. I gave it a C plus. He said C plus B minus. The film was not great, but it's almost worth almost worth seeing just to see the performance of Andre Day. This woman who had a few bit parts, really, in films. I think three bit parts in films. By far her biggest uh, role of any consequence in a film, and and stars in it and and carries the film to where it is uh, just to be a middling film. Okay, Adam and I have been talking here for a while. Now I'm going to talk to each of you, Adam and Alec, about what you've seen lately since we've last talked. Let's go to Alec. Tell us uh, what films you've seen and uh, your views on them. I did just publish a review this morning of a movie that debuted on Hulu today called Boss Level. It's directed by Joe Carnahan, who many will remember uh, for directing the Liam Neeson vehicle, The Gray, 
as well as uh, the A-Team reboot from about 10 years ago. Uh, this is an action sci-fi comedy starring an actor I enjoy a lot named Frank Grillo. It is another time loop movie. Uh, Mel Gibson appears as the villain. Naomi Watts is the uh, damsel in distress. Lots of action in the movie. Very funny, very entertaining, very violent. I, I enjoyed Boss Level quite a bit. Okay, anything else you've seen lately? Uh, I haven't written my review yet, but it'll be up later this afternoon. This morning, I watched Eddie Murphy in Coming to America, the uh, 30-plus-year-long sequel to Coming to America from 1988. Uh, I enjoyed the movie. I, uh, I don't think it holds up to the original, nor do I feel it's as strong as uh, the collaboration between Murphy and Coming to America director Craig Brewer in the movie Dolomite is my name from Netflix a few years ago. Uh, the movie is entertaining. It's not especially funny, but uh, I found it kind of moving and would ultimately recommend it with a light recommendation. Okay, let's go to Adam. Adam, uh, talk about films you've seen lately. I'm going to talk about two movies. One that I think I'm the only one here who's seen, and then I'm going to jump into one that I think uh, I know Alec has seen as well. First off is The Mauritanian. Uh, this is a film that garnered a Golden Globe win for Best Supporting Actress for Jodie Foster. She really is deserving. Um, I know that some people might have wanted Amanda Seyfried from Mank or Glenn Close from Hillbilly Elegy. I think Jodie Foster was better than the other two. This is a film that I wasn't really that excited to see. If you read about it or saw the trailer, it looked like a dense political movie uh, similar to the Snowden film or... Uh, any kind of, you know, true story 9-11 film, um, it's much better than a lot of those. This movie is not getting the credit it deserves. Um, there's a wonderful uh, lead performance of uh, the young man playing the captured uh, terrorist uh, at Guantanamo Bay. Benedict Cumberbatch uh, gives a great performance as well. And the movie really does get into a climax. It's kind of a mystery if you don't know the true story of um, trying to find out if this guy is innocent or guilty. Um, Jodie Foster does a great job playing the attorney who defends uh, the suspected terrorist. And uh, her whole MO in this movie is she doesn't care if he's innocent or guilty. Everyone deserves a fair defense and the idea that someone can be put away for years without even being charged of a crime, she finds un-American and she fights for that. During the scrawl at the end of the movie, when you find out how long this guy spent in Guantanamo Bay before eventually uh, being released, 14 years, um, it pretty much boggles your mind. Um, if you look at the Wikipedia page, you might find out this movie did have a political slant and maybe he did leave out some details that make the lead protagonist may not seem as innocent as you might seem, but it doesn't take anything away from the movie. This is a great film that's not getting enough attention, and I think will spark some interesting debate about why Guantanamo Bay is still open to this day. If you remember, Barack Obama promised to close it day one, uh, and here we are um, more than 12 years later, and... We're still using Guantanamo Bay, and most Americans don't know what happens behind those doors. How did you watch the movie? Uh, 
I paid for the VOD, but it is in theaters too. So you can pay for the $20 VOD or you can uh, go to a theater. I believe the actor who plays the main character is named Tahar Rahim. Yep. He, he, yeah, and he, he was did get an Oscar nomination too. I, I'm not sure he'll win, but he was fantastic. He was brilliant in a movie that came out like 10 years ago called A Prophet from France. If you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. It was my favorite movie of like 2009, I think. So highly recommend that one. Oh. Excellent. Uh, I do think it, uh, I haven't seen the Mauritania yet. I, I look forward to seeing it. But I, I do believe, uh, just from what I've read elsewhere, just how difficult it has been, even for those who want to close Guantanamo, uh, the international and American laws that intertwine have made it almost impossible even for a president to do that. So interesting uh, angle to that film. Yeah. And thank you for your uh, review of that. I want to end this. Oh, go ahead, please. One more I wanted to hit on because it's uh, one of the top of the charts on Netflix. And Alec reviewed this film for Grade A Movies and Film Yap. We both watched it. Is I Care a Lot, uh, a thriller about a, a woman who defrauds uh, old people by uh, getting them involuntarily uh, committed to a, a center and taking away all their rights and seizing all their assets. And you think it's going to be a movie about that. And not to give anything away, but it takes a big twist about 30 minutes into the two-hour movie. Uh, it is a hard watch because the main character you really, really hate. You do not want to see her win in the end. Um, but it's an immensely entertaining film that maybe will raise some issues about elder abuse and uh, entertain you for two hours. Uh, Peter Dinklage from Game of Thrones uh, gives a especially good performance. And it's interesting to note, it's never even mentioned that his character is, is that dwarfism. It, it just He's just a character. He has reached the status of being such a great actor that it, he can get any role regardless of the height of the character. And it doesn't even really have to be mentioned in the movie. So kudos. There are, to there are some offhanded remarks made about his stature. I think she picks him up at one point, calls him little man or something. Oh, well, maybe that. But it's not like they had to sit there and explain like, well, now, don't you know? It, it kind of just he got the part on his own merits, which I think is great. I'm hoping Rosamund Pike winds up one of the five uh, finalists for the Oscars. I think it's going to be a very heated uh, category this year. There are a lot of good performances by a lot of different actresses. Um, I haven't seen Andre Day's performance, but you both seem to think she's going to be included there at the end. So um, Rosamund Pike, she, Rosamund Pike, or however you say it, she won the Golden Globe for Best Actress in a Comedy. Uh, I guess it's a comedy. There are some funny moments, but Golden Globe... It's Globes a pitch black comedy. It's, it's an ink black comedy. Golden Globes have a history of having putting things into strange categories where it's not necessarily a comedy or drama, but they put it in there anyways. It's more of a comedy than the Martian. That's true. The Martian was not hilarious, but uh, they had this film and it, she won the best actress in for the comedy that hasn't always translated to being nominated for best actress of the Oscars. I think the last one to win both was probably Emma Stone in La La Land. Um, but I would think her competition would be Frances McDormand. That's that's a must. Viola Davis, Ma Rainey, that's a must. Uh, I think Andre Day's got to be in there now too, and probably Carrie Mulligan for uh, Promising Young Woman. So there are four of the five spots pretty much locked up. That fifth spot, I think that Rosamund Pike is definitely a contender, but also Vanessa Kirby in Pieces of a Woman on Netflix. 
I would probably pick Rosamund Pike over her, but Vanessa Kirby was good too, and it, it'll be tight. And just uh, for your information, I believe the Oscar nominations will be announced on March 15th. Do I have that right? I hope I do. So it's uh, it's not that far off. So uh, we will know the answer to these questions as far as who, how the nominations will go uh, in, in fairly short order. I want to end this uh, the program here today with uh, a look back. Uh, as we record this uh, today, which is March the 5th, Friday, we're at roughly the one-year anniversary of COVID coming to Indiana and America and uh, dealing with the, uh, the pandemic for an entire year. It has impacted all of our lives in so many different ways, but it's certainly impacted the film industry. We've talked in the past how these changes towards streaming and HBO Max and Hulu and and uh, all Netflix and, and, and Amazon Prime and, and the other streaming services that come along, how that's going to impact the quality and, 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 uh, and the number of films we're going to see in the future. So as the vaccines come online and more and more people are vaccinated and feel more comfortable going into a movie theater, what sort of film industry are we going to see as we start heading into the latter part of this year. I'm going to ask Alec to, to start that discussion. What do you think? I'm a chucklehead. I still go to the movies. I just wear my mask. I'm going to see a double feature on Sunday. Um, I'm happy to see some movies are being pushed forward. I saw today that Quiet Place 2, which has been moved all around the schedule, is coming out Memorial Day weekend now, at least for the time being. Um, I am hopeful that more and more people will get the vaccination and strongly encourage people if they're comfortable doing so and, and are eligible, please, please go get the vaccination. I'm going to do it when it's my chance, and I would suggest you do, do the same. Well, since I'm the oldest member of this group, uh, I have had my first vaccination, and it was not Johnson & Johnson, so I, I will have my second on, on, uh, in early April, so I will certainly feel very comfortable going back to a movie theater uh, as we get later, latter part of April. I've been a couple of times and masked up, and I don't think I had any bad effects out of that. So I know the theaters are doing the best they can, but it's still scary for some people to be in an enclosed area for two or three hours. So, Adam, as you look forward, as we go move toward the post-pandemic era, we're not there yet. We hope we're closer to it. Uh, its impact on the film industry and how we watch film. I think the vaccine rollout is actually going better than expected. Maybe there are a few states, and I can think of them, but Florida being one of them, um, where the rollout has not been as good as expected. But Indiana, I mean, we're already getting to 50 and, and up. So people like me and Alec in our, our 30s are, are probably thinking it won't be too much longer till it's our turn. But even so, even before then, the, the more people get vaccinated – the more the numbers go down, the more we'll be able to do things, the more um, the odds of you contracting this virus decrease. That's why it is important people to get vaccinated. I shared an article on my personal Facebook today saying that we may be underselling the vaccine. Yes, it is possible that when you get the vaccine, you could still transmit it to someone or you could still get sick, but the odds drop so dramatically that it is worth it. It is our way that we get back to normal as a society, which we need to do. There are people's lives 
that are on need us to get back to normal. Um, movie theaters, I think, will uh, be able to increase their capacities as more people get vaccinated, which means more movies come out. But I still think masking is going to be needed for two reasons. One, it's impossible for people to check who has and hasn't been vaccinated at the door. You're not going to bring paperwork around with you. So the mask is an easy way to do that. And I think a lot of us have just gotten comfortable wearing them. Hopefully you found a mask that uh, you, that's the trick. Find a good mask, people. People who say, I don't like wearing a mask for long periods of time. You're wearing the wrong mask. Find a better one and you'll be okay. Yes, I've been to Donatello's and your staff all wears a mask and they seem to be doing just fine uh, during their during their shift uh, working at Donatello's. Uh, by the way, plug Donatello's restaurant downtown Carmel, right on Main Street near Range Line Road, uh, the best Italian food in the area. So uh, as we wrap this up, uh, any final comments, Alec, any any uh, parting shots as we wrap this up? Just everybody take care of yourself. If you get vaccinated, do so. Uh, try to go to a movie if you feel comfortable doing so. I've been doing it the entire time. I'm not encouraging anybody to do anything they're uncomfortable doing. And as somebody who works with the public face-to-face all the time, I, you know, I'm not that concerned about it. I just wear my mask, sanitize, wash my hands, keep my distance. It works. Great. Adam, uh, any final thoughts here? Two interesting things I was reading today. Um, one, Turner Classic Movies will be bringing back some films that may have been deemed problematic because of uh, stereotypical depictions of people of different ethnicities or races. Films like Breakfast at Tiffany's, where if you watch uh, Mickey Rooney's uh, terrible performance, <laughs> Asian stereotype, it does make you cringe, but it's a great movie. So instead of canceling these films, banning them from their lineup or trying to edit the films, they are going to use them to spark a discussion with people to talk about uh, different attitudes over different time periods. And I think that's the right way to do things. Instead of erasing our history, we can learn from it. And uh, there are a lot of great films that may have a problematic joke or scene. Doesn't mean we should get rid of those movies, but maybe we can use them to learn about how we progressed as society. Yeah, I just recorded uh, Gone with the Wind the night before we record this. It was uh, it was uh, shown on Turner Classic Movies, and I'm very anxious to see how that discussion went. I'm, I'm in agreement with Adam. Uh, these films were, are problematic today. They were uh, shot and, and uh, they were released at a completely different time in American history. I'm not a big fan of uh, Birth of a Nation, but we have to understand its place in film history. It's a horribly racist film, uh, but we need to put it into perspective. And I think that the film should still be there, watch it, but understand the context and discuss why it is a racist film and why we need to look at it through that lens. So good Go ahead, Alex. There's also some, some worthwhile technique. I mean, D.W. Griffith, despite being a dirty racist, was a pretty good filmmaker. And, it's yeah, and that's, that's my classes. Yeah, and, and that's my point is that you know he was an awful person in one way, but we have to understand he contributed to the to the uh, evolution of cinema. Cinema was very. Uh, how should I put it? Was it its infancy at that time? And he did bring techniques that, that helped filmmakers later. Doesn't mean he was a good person. He certainly was a racist in every way one could think of it today. 
He lived at a different time. We just need to understand that perspective. Doesn't mean he was right or that we should uh, think that that was a good thing. But let's look at the film, keep it the way it is and and watch it with that perspective. I think I, would you agree with that, Alec? Uh, is that the way we should look at it today? 100%. I don't think we need to throw the, the baby out with the bathwater. Um, certain groups like Dr. Seuss's family this week took some of his books off the shelf. That's a private corporation. You can still... Uh, I guess they didn't take them off the shelf. They're just not printing them anymore. Um, I don't have a huge issue with that. If you want to get the book, you can find the book somewhere. He has plenty of other books you can read, too. Um, doing things at a state or governmental level, yeah, we don't need that. Well, yeah, and that was a decision, as you mentioned, by the estate of of, of the Dr. Seuss. Uh, I can't remember his real name. Theodore Geisel. Uh, yeah, Ted Geisel. That's right. That's what he was known as. So, you know, it was their decision to take those six books off of the printing schedule. And we should just understand it for what what it is. That was their decision. It was not the government's decision. Uh, Adam has something there. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I agree with that. And then one more thing I wanted to do before we wrap up, too, is um, so I just finished the season finale, I guess, series finale of WandaVision, the first Marvel spinoff from the Marvel Universe where Scarlet Witch, played by um, Elizabeth Olsen, and Paul Bettany, who plays Vision, are characters from the Marvel movies in this uh, limited series. And from what we're told is the story that was just finished will directly tie in to later films, uh, most specifically the next Doctor Strange sequel. So uh, we won't know when we see that movie how much it ties into and how necessary it was to watch this tv series before seeing the movie but if for some reason it's highly important that you see this uh tv show before you watch this movie uh what does that do to films going forward the marvel universe already made it this intricate thing where you needed to watch 30 plus movies to understand uh, Avengers Endgame, and now they're throwing in streaming shows. Uh, it just got a little more complicated for moviegoers. Well, I've seen a ton of buzz about WandaVision on the internet. Uh, it's everywhere. I have not seen it. Alec, have you seen WandaVision? I've seen every episode of the season except for the finale, which I'm looking forward to watching. The show is very okay. good. Okay, once very good. Well, Once it hits its stride. You gentlemen are very, very good today, and I want to thank you for joining me today on the GreatAMovies.com podcast. Again, go to GreatAMovies.com, and you can find uh, the writings of these gentlemen we've been talking to, Adam Austin and Alec Toon. So thank you very much for listening and watching. In the meantime, please be safe and be kind. <laughs>